Hello everybody and welcome back to Comedy Classroom. Uh, I'm Connor and I'm still trying to figure out how this intro goes. You know, three episodes in, it's fine. Today I am hanging out with uh, one of my favorite improvisers. Someone that I've gotten to play with for literally like a little over four years now. Four years, yeah. Four years now. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the wonderful Nathan Stein. Um, say, say it again so I don't interrupt you. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about some improv stuff. That's kind of mainly the the past two guests I've had. I've had to been what I've had to be like. They're a director. They're an actor. They're a musician. They're an improviser. But you you. I'm just kind of been like specializing in the improv. Mostly improv. Improv and music. Improv and music, yes. And psychology. That's, and <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You've been you've been doing Those the music. Are the three thing. for me. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh how how have you been? I've been good. It's it's been uh yeah, it's been a crazy couple months. Yeah? Because I graduated, right? Right. Yes. In April. And so it's been just kinda well, I I was supposed to graduate in April, and I did, but uh, it wasn't. I don't think I actually handed in my last assignment till like the beginning of May. Oh no! Um, yeah, it was like it was like two weeks into May, and I was finally done. And I was just like, I was a little. It was a little bit of a frazzled way to start off. Uh, yeah. The summer, but yeah. No, you need to tell me about starting off the summer frazzled. Yeah. I started off the summer with like, well, guess I'm not graduating. Oh, fair. <laughs> yep. And then the, all your friends. And then the first half of the rest of that summer is me being like, I should yeah. find a job. And then an entire half of the summer passed, yep. and I was like, I should still find a job. Yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. I I so I started off the summer with a job that I had kind of been training for throughout this last semester and uh i just like i got in and, and it just like it didn't work out at all so like no. my first two months were just like i don't know i i, I just have like uh so many like lingering like feelings of yeah. like what was this thing that i did it was is yeah. uh yeah no it's because because you uh graduate from um a degree in psychology, and, and then all of a sudden you realize, like... I gotta figure out what, what I want to do with what this. What do I actually want to do with this? Like, <laughs> like, I love psychology. I love the research side of it, and I love all this stuff, but I don't love the research side enough that I want to just do research for the rest of my life. Right. Like, I want to do one of the... It's not like... It's not like a teaching degree where you graduate, exactly. and you're like, well, let's teach. Pro- let's teach. <laughs> exactly. It's like... Well, let's uh, let's psychologize. And I, don't, I don't know what that actually looks like. Let's study the mind. It's one of those things they sell you in in, in the course. Uh, they're all like, "Oh, psychology is great. There's psychology in everything you do. Yeah, everything you do. It's like a com- it's more like psychology. a communications degree. Yeah, and you're like, wow, that's so awesome. Psychology yeah. really is in everything. This is such a great degree. It's preparing me for everything. And then you realize, on the other side, you're like. Oh, it's actually prepared me for nothing. Everyone is in psychology, <laughs> but to do all of these things that everyone is psychologizing in, like you actually need training in like all of these things. Yeah. Like, oh crap! What do I do? Shoot. Um, yeah. So, so the job I did was was more or less uh, it, it was a mental health job, 
and uh, I was working with an autistic boy, nice. and uh, it, yeah, nice, right? There, yeah. it's like I think you were like telling a, me about that yeah. earlier. It seems like a good job for a psych person. Yeah. Right? But I think what I was not prepared for was, uh, well, well in, and I think in most contexts for people that are working with, with autism, their job involves like really like formal training because they're usually doing that work through an organization or something and they get you know, a little bit of training at, at least. And uh, my mine was an independent contract. So... It was basically just me and the family, and so, you know, the family did their best to um, help me out, and then the other people that were already working with the boy uh, did their best to kind of help me out a bit, but, like, it's still, I, I just became so aware of, like, how much my degree was a research degree and not, like, a practical right. working with autism degree. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a really sharp learning curve, and I was just very not prepared for anything that oh, I was doing. And I, and I think, too, it was also, like, it was my first experience working with anything like that. And uh, this kid in particular, he was uh, nonverbal. Mm. Um, so I couldn't speak, and I love talking. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't talk with him. And so it was... It was I just think at the end of the day, it wasn't a great fit for me. Um mm. And so that, that ended up uh, ending. But, uh, yeah, and then uh, as that was ending, I had, like, a good two-week period. Of, like, um, it was longer than two weeks. It was almost, like, a month of, like, okay, what am I what am I doing now? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea, like, what's next? Uh, I don't know. So I actually just started a job. I've done two weeks now. Um, and that's with uh, a homeless shelter in Surrey. Oh, nice. And... I'm loving that. It's I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's crazy in its own way. Mm. But it's I, I think it's just one of those things where I just like have a, a real interest in it and, and a passion yeah. for those those people. I guess. Yeah. And uh, it's a nice kind of combination of like caring and also like very practical analytical yeah. kind of strategic stuff. My yeah. my job essentially involves a lot of paperwork, so. It's basically like sitting down with someone who's maybe lost all of their ID mm. and uh, they have no home, they have no family, like there's literally no one to vouch for them. And uh, so like, and, and you really realize how much like getting a job is contingent on actually having pieces of paper that tell right. people this person is a real person. Like, yeah. So a lot of my job then ends up sitting down and being like, okay, like where are you at? What do you need? You know, filling an intake form and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, okay, well, well, there's there's stuff we can do for you. You can fill up a birth certificate application. We can do this, we can do that. So it's like, on the one hand, you're meeting this person where they're at, and you're like, you're just treating them like a human. Yeah. And, you know, showing them that, like, hey, you know, like, you're you're worth yeah. helping. You're, you're worth me taking time out of my day. And it's sad how much that actually makes a difference. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Because right? a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, you know, and and even people that aren't in a homeless situation can often, you know, oftentimes we don't have an opportunity to sit down with someone that actually like sees us as like human and just yeah. like doesn't see us as like an end to something, right? You know, and so yeah, with this job it's kind of cool because because you've got that balanced thing there, and then you've got some really practical steps to help these people with just like okay, you you literally just need help 
filling out a form. Yeah. And you don't have a hope of doing this on your own. Like, you know, maybe you've got, like, uh, you're paralyzed and your hands don't work so you can't yeah. write it down. You can't access the internet to download the form and print it out. You don't have anywhere to mail it. You don't have money to mail it. Like, all of those sorts of things. And it's like, I'm literally there for 10 hours a day. Yeah. To just meet with people and, and help them out and stuff. And so that's been cool. And then you also get to learn a lot about, like, the infrastructure of yeah this society we live in and like wow this is how things work all of these things i have in my wallet i really take for granted yeah um not just my bank card but like you know my driver's license like yeah that opens a lot of doors and uh, a lot of these people don't have anything like that so it's tough yeah i have a friend uh in calgary that works at the big old big drop-in center in downtown calgary and she always has stories Yep. To tell. And it's it's so interesting to hear just like the situations yeah. that you find helping people in. Yeah. There's there's some like <laughs> there's some really funny people that come in. Yeah. And they're just like I don't, and and there's a lot of really like lovable people that Obviously. Like, they're just like it makes you wonder like how did how did life treat you so poorly? Like, yeah. You're, you're, I, you just got dealt a really bad yeah. hand. Yeah, and and it's like, like, but there, there's so many really interesting people to just chat with, and yeah, uh, and everyone has a story. So getting to like, you know, hear some of those, um, that that's I think a really special thing. Getting to like hear people's stories, and then and then getting to see how people feel about their story too. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Too. Yeah. Because some people will tell you, like, oh, man, I've, I've been going through all of this stuff, and, and uh, they, they're not even bitter about it. Right. They're just like, yeah, this is just where I'm at. It would be yeah. great if you could help me, but, like, yeah, that's where I'm at. And then there's other people that are really hurting a lot more. Yeah. That's an interesting... Well, it's, it's also been interesting, and I've had to do with this myself, like, during this past summer, where a lot of the time... I don't know if this is just me, but a lot of people have this sort of predisposition to just sort of be like, I'm doing good. Yeah. And then, but they don't really take the time during a bad time to take stock and be like, no, I'm not having a good time. Yeah. It's hard to be really like honest with yourself in that way. I think um, when when I was finishing my degree this last semester, I I was still working at Starbucks and that's one of those jobs where you get asked that question all the time. Right? Yeah. You're asking people, Hey, how are you doing? They're like, good. How are you? And I just default answer. Oh, good. Yeah. You know? And, and it's like, like there's so many points when I was really not, I was just like, yeah. Stressed out of my mind. And there are like, there are, if you're not doing fine, there are still ways to kind of communicate that without being, yeah. you know, alarming or making it awkward. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, and I think one of the things I would try to do, is like, well, I, I guess I had two default responses, I guess. It was either good or tired. Yeah. <laughs> and Which is really, especially for students, that's kind of our two our two states. Yep. It's like, oh, I'm okay. Oh, no, I'm tired. You know, that's, that's all it is. And, uh, yeah, I would, I'd say that a lot. And, a lot of, and, and you find a lot of people say that, too. Like, when, yeah. when you have, like, 100 people coming through your till over the course of a day, and you've asked every single one, how are you doing? The amount of people that just say, oh, I'm tired, I need my coffee. Like, yeah. 
Maybe it's because it's a coffee what, shop. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Oh, no. People people are very tired. People are just always tired. Yeah, it makes you wonder why. It's a tiring, like, it's a tiring world. It is. Like, especially, like, in, like, Vancouver area where you got, like, yeah. everything's expensive. You're trying to make money as best you can. For yeah. students, you got all these things bearing down on you, especially heading into another school year. No, you're right. And then, like, the other thing, too, uh, on top of that is that uh, we, we want to have leisure time. Yeah. So, like, you're trying to get things done. Like, like I could have done school and been so much less exhausted right. if I had just cut out my personal life. Hmm. If I hadn't made time for improv, if I hadn't right. made time for music for friends, um, for my girlfriend, like I, I would have been just so much more like awake, I think. Yeah. But also in a sense, you know, like less so. I don't know. Because hmm. it's like that, that leisure time, um, leisure time, leisure time, leisure Whatever. time, leisure. leisure time. It like, it's so like energizing, but then yeah. to make time for that and work and do school or even just to do that in school yeah um and do it all well is like it's a crazy but as soon as it becomes like a block of your busy schedule yeah. and it starts to kind of lose its thing yeah um like i i, I saw this one this one um guy kind of speaking about about he was kind of like an organizational mm-hmm. motiva- motivational speaker kind of yeah. thing and he talked about the importance of making space. Yeah. And saying that if you're, if you have this very tight schedule and you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room, yeah. that's where you're going to get stressed. No, that's true. It doesn't matter if you have like a set hour and a half or two hours for re- relaxation. If you're not allowing those two, those two hours to, yeah, you know, shrink or grow, it's not going to do you much good. So, yeah. like, um, for example, like, every, every now and then, if I know that I have, if I know that I have, like, if I got to get to somewhere at nine, and I know that it'll take me, like, maybe 15 minutes, I'll still give myself, like, an extra half hour just to have a morning. Yeah. No, it's true. I, and I, I think, actually, too, like... That idea of space is is such a big reason I think why everyone at eleven oh seven would stick with it. Yeah. Is because that bit of time to just show up and do improv. Yeah. For an hour and a half, because we never stopped for an hour. Yeah. Um, that time to just show up and for an hour and a half, it's like you can kind of justify it to yourself. Yeah. Because because I, I find a lot of times like you can block out your free time and then it's like. Oh, well, I need this for something else. Yeah. I'm this behind. is a skill that I'm developing. Yeah. And, and we don't treat it that way, but with improv, since it's like an activity. Yeah. And it's something that's like, oh, no, this is one of the things I do. You, you know, for a lot of us, yeah. I think we could kind of treat it like a class. Yeah. A lot of the time and be like, oh, no, I do like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a comm major and I do all of my comm classes yeah. and I do improv. And well, like, you can block that time away and make it, well, make it a priority. For myself, I consider it like a key part of my theater degree. Yeah. Like I've learned a lot more like useful things about being out in the professional world as an actor from 1107. Yeah. A lot more than I have from acting classes. 
Uh, Not that I haven't yeah. enjoyed my acting classes, but it's just that 1107 from like doing on-campus shows to doing off-campus yeah. gigs to coordinating stuff. Those off-campus shows and, and being the one booking them? Yes. That's like... I've never felt like more of an adult. I know, right? I've booked <laughs> an know. improv show. Did you have to like choose, okay, who's going, who can represent yeah. our, our uh, program well? Yeah. You know, who hasn't gotten a chance the, to that I think... The host of the it. event will be like, all right, so send us an invoice. I know. And I'll be like, all right, I guess I gotta Google learn how to make, an, I gotta learn how to yeah. make an invoice. Look one up. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Try to... I, that, that was such a learning curve. You, you, it's like these professional skills that you're just like... Like, I walked away from coordinating just being like, wow, I learned a lot. Right. Like, like, there's so many things that went into that that I had no idea were going to yeah. come up. Like, I found it similar to my experience in stage managing. Yeah, I bet. Where it's just like, there are so many moving yeah. parts that I have to be aware of, and I have to be aware of all of them. Yeah. Um, and, like, it just becomes the sort of thing where you come out of it and you're like, I don't know if I did my job properly, but Lord yep. knows I learned a lot. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly what it is. I, I think it's interesting, too, you mentioned that you've learned a lot more from improv. Um, f it, like, you've learned a lot of skills from doing improv that have really helped you in your theater degree. Yes. Um, and I think that's really interesting, because uh, for me with psychology, I think that was part of the appeal of improv was that it, it was like this performance thing, but I just, I always saw so many tie-ins between right. it and, and my degree. Like, they were just yeah. so closely related and and yeah. i think and i think almost like i've learned uh, like i think more than my uh helping skills course <laughs> that i took the improv i think has been more useful yeah in this current job with the homeless that's people. so like, interesting and and it's this funny thing I, I remember my interview for that job uh i mentioned that i had done improv they, they asked me some question about uh how how would you do making connections with people and going out and chatting to people and, <laughs> and it was just like so apparent to me i was just like oh well like i've done Making improv connections. for a while so like i've i've done improv for a while so like i've got like five years of experience doing improv and, and this is like yeah. super helpful for me it's, in my in my stage to screen class this past year yeah. our, our instructor was like as actors our job is to connect with people yeah like whether it be your other your other your scene partner or the audience. Yep. Like he said, he was like, if my job was to was to connect emotionally with a with a wall. Yeah. I could do that. Yep. It's, it, well, that's what it's all about, and I think um, and, and I remember that interview because I, I talked about like being able to be spontaneous, make uh, you know, be be aware of who you are, who yeah, you're, what you're presenting to someone else, yeah, have that kind of self knowledge of. What I be, look like in this Be grounded in your character. Exactly. Even <laughs> even being aware of how, like, fidgets come off and stuff yeah. like that. How to, like, make your character more confident or less confident based on, like, little body right. movements, right? Body language. Like, like, little things like that. And I talked a fair bit about that. And I think the response I got, um, and of course, the other guy was just thinking off the top of his head, too. The guy was interviewing me. Um... And I think the, the response I got was something to the effect of, like, be careful um, 
because this is a, the toughest audience you'll ever have, these mm. homeless people. Mm. And they can spot when you're faking, when right. you're just playing a character. Yeah. And, and I remember like walking away and being like, that is wise. But there was something about it that didn't sit well with me. Mm. Where I was just like, where I was just like, I don't know if I communicated it exactly like what improv does. Because mm. I think improv, in contrast to a lot of those other performing arts, like, there's the idea, uh, Keith Johnston, do you know Keith Johnston? He founded Loose Moose. sounds familiar. He was the Loose Moose guy from Calgary. Okay, he, yeah. Uh, he started that up, and he wrote a book called uh, Impro. Um, yes, I did, a, for the I did a paper on improv for, for yep. theater history, so... So Keith, he has this whole chapter in that book about masks and mm. it's, it's essentially him talking about character but yeah improvising with masks and, and all that stuff and it's it's interesting i'm not going to talk a whole lot about what he had to think about it but i think improv has this idea since every scene like especially if you're doing short form improv yeah you know from like scene to scene you're a different person and yeah. you have to come up with these new characters on the spot right right and i think what you learn from improv is you, you kind of learn to be in control of the masks mm. that you wear because you have to come up with them all the time. And, right. and you don't really get the opportunity to enter into a given mask as deeply as you do in theater. Right. right? Unless you're doing like long form. Unless you're doing long form. Like, and, like a like an improvised soap opera kind yeah. of thing. But I think you learn how to, you know, present yourself differently in from like one second to another yes. so quickly in improv. Yes. And I think like so much of like the training I got um, at theater sports um, when I did that was essentially like pushing you to be really genuine and be really honest about who you are or where you're at yeah. and all that stuff. And it's like, I think to do improv, like you really have to have a solid base in who you are yes. and you have to be really genuine and really understand like this is me and these are the masks that i can yeah. wear and and you i think you start to really understand that relationship between yourself who i am and then what i'm presenting yeah and 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 there's a sociologist uh, i can't remember his name but uh that whole idea of like the masks we present in different social situations is like a pretty foundational idea in sociology and it, and it's just like it, it's it's one of those things that I think improv really teaches you how to manage that. It uh, it just teaches you um, like because I I would assert that in every situation it's impossible not to wear a mask. It's impossible to right. let anybody see you for you. Like like we want that. I think I think we crave that a lot. But it's really impossible to do that because in any given situation we put on a mask that's like. You know, and it's like, this is who I am, this is who I want you to see in this situation. Going yeah. to an interview, you feel very aware of that. Yes. That I am putting this thing on, Yeah. and there's a whole lot of things about me that you don't know, and that yeah. I don't want you to know right now. Um, and and then working with homeless people, you, you again, have to put on a mask, because they can't know everything about you. You've got to have right. a fair bit of professional distance. Yeah. But it's like, what, what improv does is it essentially allows you to learn how to control your mask and not let it control you. Right. I think. Because because you learn all of these different things of like, oh, well, 
that mask was not a very, or we can use the word character instead of mask, I guess, but that character was not very effective because I wasn't doing this part of it. And the more you do it, you, you learn these little things you can do to make your characters as real and effective as possible. Hmm. And, and you start learning that, like, okay, this character is something that I have control over. Hmm. And it's it's not controlling me, and and I think where we start to have problems with being inauthentic and and stuff like that in real life, I think those problems a lot of times stem from us not being aware that we're putting a mask on. Right. Right. And 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 so I would I'd say that for most people, being genuine is really just being aware that I am putting a mask on and I'm yeah. letting you see a side of me that I want you to see or yeah. something. And that's really how to be genuine and to be able to do that with different people and know what's an appropriate mask for yeah. which relationship. Like, cause if we, I don't know if you've ever met, you probably have, but there's, there's certain people that just like, it's like they refuse to filter and it's just mm. their heart is so on their sleeve. Yeah. And they can't yeah. hold it back with anybody, and they, they feel like there's no reason to. And so it's like mm-hmm. they're, like, it honestly seems like their innermost soul is just on display for everyone. And it's almost right. like a mark of pride that, like, I am so real, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm so real, and you can't take this away from me. It's, <laughs> it's almost, like, aggressive how yeah. open they are. And I, I just, like, I, I, I think there's a level of that that it's like, you know, you should maybe, like... You don't have to be that way with that. No. You, you can adjust your way of interacting. Yeah. Like, I'm not that close to you. No. I don't know if you wanted to share that with me. I don't know if you should have, you know? You got a lot of those people at Starbucks that I'm like, yeah. you realize I'm just your barista, right? Like, yeah. Like, you just shared some, like, really weird That's stuff. Almost, <laughs> that almost makes it more of a human thing because yeah. you're like, you don't have to yeah. treat me... Yeah, like a like a passerby. Like you can yeah. treat me as at, in the job that I yeah. am. Like if I'm not gonna talk to to, I wouldn't probably I wouldn't talk to a random person mm-hmm. sitting on the bus stop the same way that I would if I were taking an order at McDonald's. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's, it's important, right? Yeah. And, and because those moments when you really do feel like, like you do need to break character and be like, like, you know what? I would never do this to anyone in your situation. Like, yeah, you are not the kind of person I just walk up and talk to. Right. But, but, that, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring yourself into any con- mm-hmm. context. Like I, like exactly. I wouldn't, I'm sure I wouldn't take a McDonald's or Starbucks order the same way as anyone else because I have my own mannerisms yeah. and my own way of interacting with people regardless yeah. of the context. Yeah. But it, it, it's those things where it's like, because you're aware of like your normal and then you're aware of like all of these different ways that you can break your normal to do yeah. an improv scene. Yeah. When you're in real life and you're walking around, like if there's a moment that calls for you to break your normal, yeah. You can't. It's just like it's like the rules of of any sort of creative thing. Where as yeah. soon as you as soon as you're more comfortable with the rules, the more freedom you have to break those rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that that's exactly what it is. And you you just you start learning how to like, yeah, how to how to how to do that. And then with with people, I think 
I, I think the way that improv relates to our, our real life is a uh, very, um, cause, cause it's not, it's a lot more complicated than just like, oh, I can put on a character and like, yeah, I walk into a, a Starbucks and I put on this character and yeah. nobody knows, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's a lot more subtle, but like if you didn't have that background and spontaneity if you didn't learn how to be more malleable with who you are mm-hmm. that's a thing that i find we don't have a lot of in today's mm. culture is like malleability with our, ourself it's like yeah like we talk all about being open to different to, to difference and like yeah like like we talk a lot about that but then it's like we have to cling we're so scared of like contradicting ourselves yeah and and we it's like we we try to put ourselves into boxes like oh yeah. I'm this 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 and this and I will never stop being that and I will never change and 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 I think there's something I think there's something wrong with that there <laughs> is it 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 gives a very big obstacle to yeah. development as a person yeah. and and growth development and growth is exactly what it like, is. Yeah. Like, I read things that I wrote on my blog, like, oh, maybe four yeah. years ago, and I'm like, oh, no, why is, this, <laughs> oh, yeah. why is this published? Why did I put this on? Yeah. Why did I, decide, why did I decide that this was a good thought to That's put on the internet? That's how I feel about some of my old songs that I used to write, and I listen to them, and I'm like, Nathan, you were so sad. <laughs> Like, <laughs> why did you decide that this sadness you? was worth uh, was worth putting into song form? Exactly. Like, why? Why did you need? To, this is like hopeless, you know. And 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 like, I look back on on so many things. Like, I think because when I used to listen to more like emo and punk and metal music, I think yeah. I had a lot more of that idea of like, oh my, my struggle, the angst. I'm I'm a white straight male and I have so much struggle in my life. Um, like, have you heard that Bo Burnham song, "Straight White Male"? Yeah, I have. <laughs> it speaks to me, you know. It's, it's just so accurate. It's so wonderful. I think in that stage of life, though, for me, I I just like, I I think I I think all the music I was listening to was so angsty that like I wanted so desperately to have something to be angsty about because right. I was like how can I be creative if yeah. I don't have angst how can I be a poet yeah. if I don't have things if I don't have problems yeah and that's a thing that I think improv really worked on for me it was like creativity doesn't have to come from hurt no like some of the some of my favorite music that I've made now has, has been since uh, being with my girlfriend and like being happy yeah like, like I, I always used to think like, oh, happy songs just aren't real. Yeah. No one can be that happy. Yeah. And then it's like, you get into a season of life and you're like, no, things are really good. Yeah. And I think... But I think it's, it's a mix of that. It's a mix of that sort of genuine yeah. sort of happiness mixed in with the fact that things aren't always this nice. Yeah. Yeah. And there's seasons. Yeah. Things change, yeah. I think um, I think a big thing is uh, a, a big part of like writing a, a good song that's happy or or joyful or something is uh, is actually that really like honest like this is coming straight from my life right now. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what makes the difference between like a an empty, hollow 
yeah. feel good party song and like a like a really good one. Like if you're amped on life when you're writing a happy song, yeah, you know it's probably gonna be pretty good. And yeah. then if you're just like I want something that people will dance to, um, mm. and I love dance music. I love right. music that gets people moving. Yeah, but if your sole intention is to just write something that makes people want to dance. It, it generally, I think, will come off a little more hollow. Yeah. And and even if your life's not in the greatest spot, I think even just, like, connect, finding a way to, like, connect with the music. Like, like if yeah. music that makes people dance and makes people move and makes people happy, like, if you connect with those sounds in a way that yeah. just, like, gets you stoked, you know, then I think even then there's something that doesn't, like, it, it doesn't necessarily matter how your life's going. Yeah. Like, that'll still end up connecting with people. Yeah. Because your love and, for this... And I love I love songs that are almost kind of, like, contrasting. Yeah. Like that, where it's, like, this... It's got such, like, a like a cool groove to it, but, yeah. the, but the lyrics are saying something a little different. Like, have you heard... Have you heard Paramore's new album? I have not. It's really interesting, because you can tell it's this very, like, kind of, like, 70s pop rock... Sweet, yeah. Kind of thing. And it the title of it's titled After Laughter. Interesting. And so it's got these very like kind of like boppy boppy songs that they've written, but you hear the lyrics and you can tell that it's been right written directly after a very, very hard time. Yeah. Like one of the more well known songs from the album is called just Hard Times and it's Super fun. Yeah. That's that's an interesting uh, dichotomy. Yeah. Or, or, or a, a contradiction, a contrast. That's, wow. Yeah. Huh. I, mean, I, love, I love songs like that, where I'm like, clearly you're trying to put this, and this is what I do, is I like, I'll write a, I'll write a song where I'm like, I'm not in the best place right now, but I'm going to try and like, I'm going to do my best to see it in a way that it's more positive. That it's more positive. Yeah. Where it's like, things are not good now, yeah. but things could can get better. Totally. Yeah, just like finding ways to bring that optimism in, I think. I also think it helps make your songs a lot more timeless. Yes, like, absolutely. Because I, I think a lot of the time, there, there's few things cringier than looking back on a song that you've written that's so hopeless. And, and you're like, dude. And it's so stuck yeah. in the period yeah. in which you made it. And you're just like, you look at it and you're like, dude. I'm done we with made that. It. We made it. <laughs> we're <through."> okay. <laughs> why did you, why were you so stuck on the fact that things would never get better? Yeah. Like, and, and I think uh, it's funny, like that one song I wrote for portraits a few years ago all the little things that was written in a pretty sad time yeah for me but like i think like out of all of the stuff i wrote in that period that's the only one that i'll still really play. i love that song <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> and it's the only one i'll still really play and i think it's because there's a sense in it of like you know it's it's like th there's some kind of sense of like moving forward yeah even if it's not happy even if it's yeah. not necessarily like even if it hasn't really got there yet there's a sense yeah. to it of being like 
It, it, it's not so despairing as some right. of the other things that I wrote. You're trying to move forward. Yeah, and there's that bit of struggle. And, and yeah. so look, looking back on it, you're not like, dude, just... You're like, yeah, yeah no, that was a hard time. Yeah. But like, yeah. you got through it's like, and you knew you would, you know? It's like one of the things that uh, when, I, when we were doing Cover of Life... Yeah. One of the things that... That was our, a great play. Yeah, I was... I'm very glad that I got to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, and huge props to all of the the 90%, the 80% or 90% female cast that yeah. I got to do it with. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things that our director would, would tell us, especially, um, especially uh, Joelle, is... Uh, it's more impactful to try not to cry than it is to cry on stage. If the audience sees huh. that you're trying not to cry, that will make them cry. That's fascinating, because, actually. Because you're so deeply impacted by this person that's trying to hold it together when, like, everything has gone wrong. Huh. Right? Yeah. It's like, um, I also think of, have you, have you seen all of, have you seen Community? Yep. Yeah. Love so the part, there. the part, slight spoilers, where Troy is actually finally leaving on his oh, boat trip. So sad. And his, and, and Abed's goodbye to him, where he's like, he's yeah. still putting things in kind of his pretend thing, but then he's... So he's like, I've given you a little bit, I've given your clone a little bit of seagull DNA um, so that you have a natural compass. He's like, why? He's like, so that eventually you'll come home. Yeah. And like, oh, just the fact that so this character crazy. who is usually just doing fine, as far as you yeah. can tell, and he just lets out that little bit of information that he's not doing great. Yeah, it's being being able that there's such like a, a pearl of wisdom in there. Being able to like acknowledge when things are not fine. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that. A little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I. It's huge. I wrote a whole I wrote a whole blog post about it about this past summer. Yeah. Um, and I I told this story about in my second year, I was doing. Uh, when I was doing 24-hour theater. Yeah. My first my first year experience of 24-hour theater was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I loved the play that I got to do, loved the people that I got to work with. Yeah. It was great. Second year, loved the people that I was doing it with, wasn't super excited about the script, which I don't really feel bad saying because it was written over the course of an evening. Fair. Um, and just didn't really connect with my character a whole lot. Yeah. As well as the fact that that whole day that we were rehearsing, I was super sick. Yeah. And just did not feel you up just to my best. And so we got through that whole day, and we did the, the show, and it was, it was fine. Um, and I, I would walk around, I walked around campus, hung out with a few people in the Fraser Lounge, and people would be like, how'd that go? And I was like, it was good. It was fun, you know? And then as I kind of went, it took me a little bit more and more energy to say it was good until I eventually was like, you know what? I did not enjoy myself. Yeah. And as soon as I acknowledged that, I felt way better. Yeah, I bet that was super freeing. It was. Like, just to be like, just because yeah. it's an event that I 
would enjoy. Like, it has all the elements Yeah, it's got something. all the people, it's got all the... Like, you're doing something you love. Yeah. Yeah. But there were just certain parts of it that I did not enjoy. And that kind of ruined the day for me. But I'm okay with that. Because there will be a, ne- yeah. a, ne- a next one. There will be another one for sure. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing, too. And I think that idea of being able to, like... Just like recognize where you're at is is really important. We like, like like that was actually one thing I did take from my helping skills course that I did is like how to just like be like take a moment and be able to like summarize you know in a word where you're at um, and be able to just say like like this is how I feel right now in this moment. And I think that was a thing um, when I was coordinating. 1107 that was the thing I tried to kind of bring over a little bit and, and every now and again replace our intros like hey name your major and what fruit would you be you know? <laughs> and just like I tried a few times to to replace that kind of silly last question with just like and how do you feel right now in one word what's your feeling mm, yeah and I I thought that was fascinating as an experiment with a yeah. group of uh, comedians but also I think it was I, th- I think it actually ended up having, uh, I, th- I think it ended up yielding a lot of fruit. And I think it year. just slightly helped build the community yeah. a little bit more, just because everyone acknowledged that, like, in this space, yeah. you are able to say, I'm tired or stressed or yeah, actually doing good. good. Yeah. I'm pumped, you know? And yeah. it, it helped people, I think, realize that, like, at any given moment with a group of people, we're all coming from somewhere different and we're all coming from like we, have, we all have a different perspective and we all have um, a different place that we're at and we can still move forward and improvise even yeah. if we're not all pumped yeah you know and like and, and that's okay and I, I thought that was really cool and then I also think it helps people be just a little more vulnerable which I think is really important in improv yeah because a lot of time we're like we do comedy we, we want everyone to think we're funny yeah. And that becomes our focus for the entire time that we're there. It's like, people think I'm funny. Just think I'm funny, would you? And, yeah. uh, and then, like, that just ends up being so damaging to both yeah. the improv and also to you because yeah. you start, like, overcompensating and you start, um, you know, and, and ultimately people can see through it. They don't laugh at you. No. And you leave and you just feel awful because you're like no one thought I was funny and I really wanted them to you know whereas if you just can like stop yourself for a moment and be yeah. really honest about like this is where I'm at I'm exhausted yeah um, you know the last improv show that I did uh, was um, downtown with uh, uh, oh, what do they call it again um, super um, scene oh yeah it was a super scene and I literally spent that entire day, right up until I left, starting and finishing my take-home exam for human neuropsychology. Oh, yeah. And neuropsych was a super hard course. And this exam, I was not prepared for. And I wrote the entire thing in one day, and then went and did an improv show. Oof. I was exhausted. Yeah. It was not my best work as an improviser, but I still think I was able to... Um, just because I think I was able to recognize where I was coming from. Yeah. 
and, and be kind of honest with myself about that. I think yeah. that helped me to actually like get through it and, and still yeah. support my scene partners. Well, I've had, I've had very similar things like hosting yeah. shows this past year. Like the, during the run of both cover of life and comedy, like during com for comedy of errors, like Emmett and I agreed, we used the, your guest hosting yeah. idea to pretty much give either, either of us a break. Right. Um, Either, either of the weeks, but the first, the first week of Comedy of Errors, I, I was hosting, yeah. and we did, so we, we had, um, I remember, I recorded a YouTube series with Emmett, yeah. playing a game, and then we, and then... We went to, into campus. It was high school night, yep. so we sit down, have pizza with with a bunch of high school kids, oh, yeah, then do the show, and it's a very high energy show. And then after that, we start getting ready for eleven oh seven. That's a long day. It was a long day of a lot of different sorts of performance. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, before going into the into the eleven oh seven, I was just like, I gotta use this tired energy. I just gotta be aware of the fact that whatever improv I'm gonna be doing tonight, that's it's gonna be I'm tired doing. improv. Yep. And sometimes, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it can be very entertaining. Well, and and what's funny too, right? Is is an improv since it's all made up on the spot. There's almost a freedom sometimes to not be funny. Right. And and it's 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 okay. I think my some. I think my two favorite improv scenes were both actually ended up being serious. Yeah. Like there's that one that Tristan did. Do you remember right. that long form? When he was when he was death. He played the character he played Death. Oh, that was amazing. With the Grim Reaper. And Yeah. And it was this weird little portrait into this yeah. like this guy had died. I think Corbin had died or something. Yeah. And and Death like it if it, it was almost like a you know, like, goes to Christmas past kind of thing, yeah. too, where it was, like, helping this guy, like, see his life and stuff, and it was just, like, and, and honestly, what I think that... was that? I don't even remember. It was it was in the long-form half at the end of, like... It, was it, that a Christmas show? I think that was a Christmas show. It might have been... That might have been... Is that Oh Ho Ho Holy Night? <laughs> Maybe. Just looking at the wall. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it, might was. Been, it might have been right before. Yeah, because that was right before kind of Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was there. Because it was in uh it was in the weird the weird yeah. thrust stage. It was yeah, it, but it was it was this crazy thing, and I think that was born out of a tired improv moment, right? Because I think Yeah. I think because uh, it was it would have been Andrew, Karina, Corbin, and Tristan, if I remember correctly, and I think I think it might have been Corbin. He made like a weird offer at the start that ended up with him dying. And it was just like a, oh no. Yeah. Like you've got like Oh no, a character has died. And I... and it was it was one of those long form things that's yeah. gonna be like fifteen minutes. Yeah. And uh like I think it was just a swipes and taps and it was like, Oh no, he's dead right away. And then Tristan just came in and saved the day. Yeah. By being like, Okay, this could end up being really terrible. Yeah. But how can we kind of salvage this and work with the fact that the character is dead? Yeah. And he just came in and he said, I'm death. And all of a sudden it was like, 
It was oh. this, I was like the coordinator at the time. I was like, this is simultaneously like terrifying. This could go so badly, but also, but also so intriguing. Keep going, Tristan. This is fascinating. It's I'm so like, curious. It's kind of like that scene. Have you seen Whiplash? No, I haven't. Okay. So this isn't really a huge spoiler, but it is the scene at the end yeah. where the two characters, so J.K. Simmons's character and Miles Teller's character, they've had yeah. kind of this very difficult character dynamic. Yep. And then there's a scene at the end where they've kind of had their big bout against each other. And, like... Yeah. Because, like, he... Like, J.K. Simmons' character has kind of pulled a couple sneaky moves that really screw over Miles' character. And then there's this part where Miles starts doing something completely different. As like on the drums, and he's like not kind of going to as regularly scheduled programming. But JK's character is like, okay, this is different, but let's see where we can go with it. And so he kind of like starts pressing him on and is like, yes, good, a little bit more. And it's this really interesting thing where you're like, I don't know what's happening here, but I think I like it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of those moments in improv where it's yeah. just like... I'm so glad we've roped back around to improv. I know. I was like, starting out the podcast with psychology. I know. And, <laughs> and working with homeless people. It's and true. then dipping into improv. And then out into music. music and then... But yeah. it's been good. <laughs> I, think, I think my other favorite scene is a similar one. And it was, I think, it was almost incredible in the sense that it was, it was in a, a workshop and, and this one might be my favorite of all yeah. time but it was in a workshop so there wasn't really an audience to see it which right. is both sad and also kind of like no it's this like special moment that like us who were there actually got to kind of cherish but I think it was uh, it was Shay and Dan and a couple other people and it was again it was one of those scenes and, and I don't think I, th- I think again with it I don't think the intention was for it to not be funny right but it's just kind of where it went and and it ended up being like shay was coming home it it was like a strange daughter and parents kind of thing oh i feel like i remember this i think you were there i'm trying to remember if you were in it though i can't remember i don't think so but um it was like there was mom and dad and shay hadn't been home in years she had like you know run away or something and and she was coming home for dinner, and, oh, and the parents, yeah. and the parents, they just committed, like, like, the, like all four of these people, in this scene, just like got where their characters would be at, right, and just played it, yeah. and they weren't worried about making jokes, and so the parents started playing, totally nervous and like, like they are in this space of like just wanting to make such a good impression on their daughter again, right. and be like we're we're cool, we're chill. Yeah, you know, like like please don't leave again. Yeah, we'd love to be. And that's life. such a that's such a like at the beginning of the scene. That's oh. such a tone a tonal U turn. Oh, it was it was nuts. And because like we're just like watching it, and we're like, this is interesting. How does it can get funny? And eventually, like you, you realize, oh no, it's not isn't. supposed to. And be. then like Shay comes home, and it's all kind of like tense, and like and, and she's got Dan, and Dan's playing her boyfriend, and Dan's you know. 
he, he's he's really the only comic relief. Right. In in that he's just this like awkward like <laughs> like goofy like just yeah. trying so hard to be liked by these parents and be like hey, I'm likable and things and they're just like and, and and yet the tone just stayed tense and so he would like kind of like try and like yeah and, and and it just it ended up being this like beautiful like. I, I don't know if it ended up having a reconciliation at the end. I, I don't. I don't know if it actually. Yeah. Um, if all of the tension resolved. Yeah. But like it ended, and it was just this like, like it was a perfect drama. Yeah. It, like a perfectly Those... self-contained drama, and it was like, and it had all been thought up on the spot, and yeah. it was just like. Those like that's beautiful. Those like suddenly kind of dramatic like touching scenes yeah. that happen in improv are some of my favorites. We only have a lot, of, but I love this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I remember there was one in it was the kind of Alaskan. Yeah. Where my character sits down with Cassie's character. Yeah. And there's this whole thing where like our two our friendship yeah. has kind of has kind of severed. Just because of past stuff. And we're just sitting on the floor talking. Yeah. And so many things have happened, but we're just sitting on the floor, not looking at each other, but just talking. It's easily yeah. one of my favorite improv moments. Yeah. The Kind of Alaskan was a good show. It was a really good show. It was. I don't know why. It, I don't know it how, so because good. it was based on a sport it was which does not usually work out for us. Was it like tennis? <laughs> yes, it was tennis, tennis. Which I think is one of the few sports that actually works well in improv. Actually, speaking of tennis, I think my third favorite improv scene might have been from this last year. Yeah. And uh, I think Ari and Shane yes. and Joel. It was more outrageous. It was more outrageous. Yes. And it had tennis. And it was and just Ari was so... like flirting with Joel. It was so funny. 15. Love. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's so good. Uh, oh, it's so weird how those things work out. Because it's every so time, good. every time we like ask for an activity, and someone says a sport, I'm like, no, I no. I know, but sometimes they work out really funny. Yeah. Like, like uh, there's a gibberish scene. I think it was in the senior show, uh, Shay and I's senior show. We were okay. in gibberish, and she had me guessing a tetherball. Oh. And and so we were like miming it, and so she starts doing like, see, but you, and then I started like playing back and like knocking it back, and then yeah. uh, at one point she hits it, and I just like, like mime <laughs> getting hit in the face and falling over. Yeah. And and it was this moment of like, because it's a guessing game, there's yeah. this moment like, oh yeah, he gets it. Yeah. And also like like that was really funny. <laughs> and it was just like so, so everyone again does like sports moments. Oh, man. work. That's crazy. Oh. Well. I feel like we could probably talk for another solid hour. Let's do this again. <laughs> I'm I'm down. Season two. Season two. Alright. Uh, okay. Chances are by then I'll also have graduated. Yeah, so, that'd be great. And um, maybe you'll have like solidified your intro. Maybe I'll act I mean I yeah. I don't it's know if I want the to. Way it is. <laughs> I don't know if I want to solidify my intro. Like, yeah. I have... Keep it open I, to growth and I have development. A, yeah, exactly. I have a small amount of groundedness where I'm like, welcome to Comedy Classroom. Yeah. And that's it. 
It's good. Everything else I can play around with. It's true. And sometimes that room for play is important. Yeah. I have the same thing for my outro. Yep. Where, yeah. Which I should probably do now. <laughs> probably. Go Just, for it. Yeah. So, thank you guys very much for watching. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, having it's me. It's been too long since it, we last talked. It really has. Um, and but we don't even live that far away. We really don't. It's like a 10-minute so, drive. Yeah. And I was still late. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this was this was a good, solid, good, solid episode. Thanks. It went, went a lot of places, but they were all good places. You never know where you're going to go. Yeah. So. It's good. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Uh, if you want to keep up with later developments in the... In the podcast, you can follow me on my social medias, which, now that I've checked since the last episode, uh, I can be more confident in. Uh, both my Instagram and my Twitter for Comedy Classroom are TallAnkyGuy96. That's T-A, three L's, and then Anky Guy. I don't know why I explained <laughs> it that way. <laughs> Anky Guy. But... Every, every time I, ever, I type it out, I'm like, wow, that is three L's that's in a row. a lot of L's. That's awesome. But that's what it is. And uh, other than that, if you're friends with me on, on Facebook, I'll be posting stuff on that, too. Cool. So, well, thanks, for being, thanks for being here, and I'll see you next class.